You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Well, God's been on the move over the past week. Excited to bring you a couple announcements. Our proposed constitution and bylaws as a church has been sent to the district and as of this week has been approved and we will be going sovereign October 29th. So members, be on the lookout for that constitution and bylaws in which you will be voting in. The way that this works, if you're new with us and none of this is making sense, sorry. (laughs) Going sovereign simply means this, that we have arrived at at a place as a a church where we are able to uh, sustain the growth and move forward with the growth that we've seen in the church over the past couple years. Um, Some people have asked, well, pastor, what are the prerequisites for sovereignty? Have we met them? Uh, Church, we met them a couple years ago, but we weren't expecting all of the growth these past couple years. So constitution and bylaws are going on sovereign. Just haven't had time as a church because we've been working more so on the ministry of the gospel. And now the Lord has opened up some doors of opportunity, a.k.a. time. How many of you know that time is precious the older that you get, right? Like when somebody says like, hey, when you have time, don't you just want to be like, (laughs) right? Like when you have time, what, what is free time anymore? But the Lord has opened up some doors of opportunity, and the way that this works is there's going to be what's called a set-and-order meeting. As a church, all of our members will come together on October 29th. You'll be getting notification of the date and time, and we're going to be having a, our presbyter come in, uh, Pastor Mark Casson from the Bridge Church, to oversee the meeting, and we will vote in the Constitution and bylaws as is, or we, we will reject them as a whole. And so one or the other will happen, and I believe that it's going to be the former rather than the latter, but um, we're just so excited to see what God does in and through His church in the upcoming years. Amen. And we celebrate, yes, being self-governed and, and you know, the board here at the church receiving authority in this process. But above all of that, we celebrate what God has done in the season that He has brought us into as a church. Amen. 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 I'm not the church of the chosen frozen this morning. Come on, somebody. Also, I'm excited to announce that on October 29th, that same day, that's the day that we will be releasing our new church name. It has taken a little bit longer than anticipated with various graphic design and logo design, or I could give it early today. You you really want that? Wrong. October 29th is when we are going to be, isn't that cruel, is when we are going to be officially uh, doing that. And here in the upcoming days, we are expected to finally be under contract with a 12-acre property along Hefner Road that we are looking into purchasing. We are in the final stages of that. There's still a lengthy process before we're able to say, this is the property that God has for us. It's going to be going through some heavy testing phases in the upcoming months, as well as we have some appointments with the uh, township meeting. And above all of this, we're not, in this, in this season, we're not praying, God, give us this land. We're praying, God, your will be done. Yes. If this is the land that you have for us, he'll let us know. Yes. If it isn't, he'll let us know. Yes. He's good like that. Amen. Yes. Exciting things happening here at C3. And I'm also excited to announce that we have hired a part-time worship director. 
Last week, hallelujah, give God some praise. Last week, if you were here to enjoy some incredibly anointed worship by uh, Sarah Peters, that was the girl who was playing on the uh, keyboard up here, and her husband, Josh, over here on the electric. She is our new worship department director. Again, incredible part-time position. Hallelujah. Sarah, would you give us a wave? Would you just get... There it is. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Some of Sarah's background is she's a Valley Forge graduate majoring in music, correct? Majoring in music. I wasn't sure if that was your minor or major. Majoring in music uh, from Valley Forge, and she has been over at the Bridge Church for the past couple years serving in their worship department. She served under Pastor Josh Schaefer's leadership, which just speaks a lot of her as well as Pastor Josh Schaefer, if you know. So we are so excited to see what God has in store. Amen? Amen. Would you give God some praise? exciting things ahead of us. Hey, as I mentioned, within the upcoming months, again, we're, we're going to be going sovereign, which means the installation of a, a constitution and bylaws, which will lead us and direct us as a church in our church business meetings and so on and so forth. And it, the, these constitution and bylaws serve as an organizational structure for the church and how we conduct, again, bu business and different expectations and so on and so forth. Before we get there, it's imperative, though, that we understand as a church that, that we understand um, a biblical understanding of church governance. Uh, as far as leadership and the responsibility of pastors and deacons and ministry leaders and so on and so forth, we've got to understand the roles of leadership as a church before we get there. And so this series that we're entering into this month titled The Church, everybody say The Church, ready? One, two, three the church. We're going to be kind of setting up for that. Over the upcoming weeks, we're going to be talking about, again, the roles of leadership, how a church should govern itself biblically. And then towards the end of this series, we're going to be talking about the vast difference between the church and a spirit-empowered church. The church of the New Testament changed the face of the earth. I want to be like that church. And if we're going to be a New Testament church, then that means we have to be open and operating the gifts of the spirit. And I'm so excited that to, again, in the, up in, the, in the upcoming weeks, talk about that sermon, which leads into our Holy Spirit uh, weekend. So excited for that. If you have any questions or concerns or you're interested or you have passions leading you towards the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, how, does, how, do, how do prophetic words work? How, what is their role in church and so on and so forth? Then this conference is perfect for you. It takes place over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And kids six and older will have a ministry downstairs where we're having kids ministry evangelists come in and minister to your kids so they can understand what it is to be Holy Spirit empowered. I highly challenge and encourage you to block those dates out and attend that weekend. We are expecting great things. As we talk about the organization of the church, I recognize though that that statement, those two words combined, is a hot button for some. Organized church, it can be a hot button. For the reason why this statement, organized church, can be a hot button is because there are some, and many here even today, that have experienced powerful movements of the Holy Spirit at unexpected times. And because the Holy Spirit moved at unexpected times, a life doctrine was built out of that experience that we can't have any organization around the Holy Spirit, that He only moves in spontaneous ways. 
For some, the term organized church is a hot button because we have seen many organizational institutions in our world today corrupted, act surprised. And therefore, there's kind of a hesitancy when we talk about organized uh, church. For some, the term organized uh, uh, church is, is a hot button because there's even many uh, here today and, and, and who, and who, who kind of take this position of, I don't support organized religion. Have you ever heard that statement? As a pastor, there's hardly a, a week that goes by, if I'm being honest, where I don't encounter someone, I don't meet someone, whether it's at the gym, the grocery store, restaurant, whatever it may be, where they find out that I'm a pastor and the reaction is always hilarious. The number one reaction that I get is, I thought you'd be older. Okay, thank you. I'm working on that. And then the second reaction to that statement is usually along the lines of, well, I, I just have some issues with organized religion. And the irony in that statement is if you don't want organized religion, you want disorganized religion. And truth be told, some would rather that. Some would rather have a church where we all get to do what we want, where we all are the leaders. But the problem with that is that without organization, we are left with chaos. Without any type of structure or organization, especially when it comes to the God's church, we are left with chaos. Allow me to support this point with scripture. As we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, there is a chaotic church. We have a church in this passage that is disorganized. People are running around and they're trying to be their own leaders. And we're going to be turning to Acts 6, by the way, church. So for those of you who are turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you can make a little note to turn back and study this. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we have a disorganized church where, where people are trying to establish their own leadership by saying, well, well, I follow this person, or I follow Peter, or I follow this person's doctrine. And then you have the over-spiritual Christians who are saying, well, Jesus is the leader, so we don't need one. We all follow him. And it's just chaotic. And not only are, is there chaos in the daily life of this church, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul comes in and says, listen, your life is disorganized and your church services are really bad. And there's like, my goodness, you can just imagine that in, in this church, there's different gifts that are flowing and, and people haven't yet matured in these giftings. And so you have all of these prophetic words that are coming and you have all of these gifts that are done and things are being done in the name of the Holy Spirit, but aren't of the Holy Spirit. And there's all of these things that are happening. And finally, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, hey, 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 hey. God is not a God of disorder. And then he says this beautiful statement following that. He says, everything here has got to be done decently and in order. Because when things are done decently and in order, they display that God is a God of order. He is not a God of chaos. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to turn to Acts 6. 
chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. But the point that we learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is this. An organized church is a biblical church. An organized church is a biblical church. Something that I can't help but notice when I read the word of God is God is really, really organized. From the beginning of creation, he sets creation in order. Throughout the Old Testament, he brings order to his people, everything from tabernacle practices to daily living, even establishing leadership around the people and the tabernacle. In the New Testament, there are parables about organization. Jesus teaches us that only a fool builds without counting the cost. And we read scripture after scripture after scripture about seasons and being organized and prepared for seasons. That There's a season for weeping and there's a season for rejoicing. And then we hear different parables about the sower and the, the seed, right? Come on, somebody. And there's all of this organization and order. And in a day and age when we reject those in authority for corrupt organization, may we not assume that God's intentions of organizing his church are corrupt. I want to say that again. May we not assume that God's intentions for organizing his church are for corrupt intentions. Church, that's the world around us. The world is corrupt with their organizations, not the church, not God. Does it happen? Yes, and we'll get to that in the future. The church in the New Testament starts with 120 in an upper room. The baptism of the Holy Spirit has happened, and as a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people are empowered to witness and do the work of Jesus, and the church is rapidly expanding. As a result of this expansion, there's a group of people within the church that are feeling neglected. Because of the church growth that has happened within the church, it feels like some are being treated better than others. And specifically, because the church has multiplied so rapidly, all of a sudden, the church is encountered with something that they really haven't experienced before, and that's this word, diversity. There are many different groups of Christians now, some Jewish, some Hellenistic of a Roman kind of background, and, and some that are referred to as Gentiles, and, and there's all of these different groups now coming together under the name of Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that, that every tribe, every nation, every tongue? But there are two different groups of Christians in Acts 6. There's the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews. And the Hellenistic widows of, Jeru of the Jerusalem church are feeling like they're being left out of charitable giving. And that's where our scriptural passage picks up in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. It says this, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. That'll preach. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and it will give our attention, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Don't you love when there's unity in the church? They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, 
Taman, or excuse me, Taman, Nicanor, Permenius, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism, and they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So what's the result of this church organization? It says, so the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That'll also preach. It makes sense that the New Testament church is facing what we would call growing pains. There are more people, therefore there is an evident need for more ministry, and because there are more people, there are more needs, and then there's more of a demand for attention in specific groups so that the gospel can be moved forward, and the solution that the Holy Spirit gives the disciples is to organize. I want to say that again. If you come from a background where you may say, I I don't support organized religion, or pastor, I have a a difficult time with the organized church, then, then this is for you. The problem in Acts 6 was fixed by the Holy Spirit leading the church leaders to organize. The Holy Spirit used organization as a way to fix the problem at hand. And we also learn a lesson in this moment for all of our individual spiritual growth that what works for one season in your life may not work for the next. We have to make sure that as Christians, we don't become bound to methods. God's word will never change, amen? But the methods in which it is delivered and preached and ministered to others, those methods should always be up for change. Because again, what God did in one season doesn't mean that he's going to do the exact thing in the next season. Have you ever noticed how Jesus always heals people differently? What works in one season in your life may not work in the next Contextualize that however the Holy Spirit leads you to. So how did the church, the early church organized? The church elected deacons. They didn't go outside of the church. They didn't go to any job ads on Google in search of spiritually mature deacons. They looked from among them. They understood that there were those who were part of the body of Christ from within the church that understood the church's philosophy and culture of ministry. And as we go sovereign as a church, the election of deacons is going to be a part of our yearly business meeting. Right now, uh, deacons are elected from not only the district oversight over us, but the deacons are elected from myself as well as the board. But in the upcoming months, as we go sovereign, it's going to be turned over to the church. So if you are a member and you plan on voting, please pay attention. (laughs) They're elected from within. And again, we're starting out our sovereignty status with a core group so that what is referred to as term limits can be established, meaning our board members will serve for two years and then they will be up for one uh, term of re-election for another two years. You'll find that in our constitution and bylaws as they're delivered to the church. Part of the reason why we do this is because we want to make sure that the board here at the church doesn't serve. You know, we don't have individuals serving for 10, 15, 20 years. And how many of you know that sometimes there's a temptation for us to embrace an attitude when we are in a position for too long? Right? Come on, somebody. 
So it not only prevents that from becoming a part of a culture and breeding unhealth, but also how many of you know that seasons of rest are biblical? Amen? Seasons of rest should be a part of our rhythms as Christians. Back to the point. Next year, we'll begin this biblical process, and we notice that in this moment, the disciples' role, and the disciples in this moment are taking on much of the role of that of a pastor. And the reason why I say that is because disciples in this moment are a part of the overseeing process, and pastor and the word overseer are used interchangeably in Scripture. Disciples say, we'll turn this responsibility over to them, meaning that there's a time of teaching and equipping and training deacons for the work that is necessary. So if we are going to elect the board of deacons here as a church, how do we elect? How do we know who to elect? Do we do a campaign? Don't, aren't you thankful for the, the, the fact that we don't have to do campaigns in church? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Can you imagine the text messages? Hi, I'm so-and-so, and I want to be your deacon member. <laughs> My goodness. So what are the qualifications? The, the, the idea is this, is that people's lives who love Jesus will do the campaign work for them. That their love for Jesus will be evident. That this church, they didn't, doesn't say anything that they had to go searching too hard. But it says that they found men, meaning the fruit of their life, it was evident. So what are the qualifications for the board of deacons? According to Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 4, the first is this, a good reputation. A reputation of loving Jesus and serving others, the fruit of the Spirit, and so on and so forth. A good reputation. Number two, biblical wisdom. Now, there's a difference between the world's definition of wisdom and God's word and how it relates to a definition of wisdom. Amen? There's the world's wisdom, then there's the Holy Spirit wisdom, which brings about unity and turns away anger and so on and so forth. And this wisdom is, is only, it can only happen if you are engaged with a relationship with Jesus, that your relationship with Jesus is more than Sunday morning. If you want to develop biblical wisdom, it means that you're in the word of God, that you are passionately pursuing God's will for your life. Qualifications for deacons according to Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Next, that they are baptized in the Holy Spirit, also referred to in this scripture as filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the pattern in, in the entire book of Acts. This is the heartbeat of Acts, is that there are those who come to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They receive this anointing, and they go out, and they lead. That is repetitive and, and repeated, excuse me, repeated in Acts chapter 6 over and over again. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of empowerment that is necessary for deacons and for pastors. We practice that as a, as a denomination, as the Assemblies of God Fellowship. We practice that where before I could get credentialed, I had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot of gifts and there's a lot of anointing that flows from that place. And for those who are here today and you're like, well, I'm not familiar with this practice. Did I mention that there's a Holy Spirit conference at the end of the month? that I really challenge you to come to. And in the meantime, you can read Acts chapter 2. 
I'm so thankful for the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And something that I'm so excited about, you know, there's a lot of negative things said about the millennials and Generation Z. But something that I have so noticed about Generation Z is they are highly spiritual. I mean, this is a generation now, they're spiritual in some wrong ways. But I believe that when God gets a hold of that and they experience the real Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, there is something... There is something so powerful when a young person experiences the Holy Spirit for the first time. When you go to these, these youth conventions that our church participates in, there is nothing like the sight of a teenager who is completely abandoned for God. And I'm telling you, if I, somebody said, Pastor, do you miss youth ministry? I don't miss the all-nighters. I experienced that for, you know, six to eight months with a newborn. I don't miss the youth all-nighters where I'm getting all jacked up on Red Bull. But what I do miss is the heart of our youth. Because it doesn't take a whole lot for them to come to the altar. It doesn't take a whole lot for them to abandon everything. I've seen teenagers in a moment of an offering being taken for missions, empty out everything that they had in their wallet to give to ministry schools being built in third world countries, and I could go down the list of all the causes. And I think that so often our youth display the kind of heart that we should have as adults. I think that somewhere along the line of us growing up, that we forget what it's like to give God our everything because we've gained so much in life that we're afraid to lose it. It's a sermon for another day. The point is this, qualifications for deacons according to Acts and uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Other qualifications is this, that they're faithful Another word for faithful is consistent. Would you say that word consistent with me? Ready? One, two, three. Consistent. A deacon must be consistent in their life, in the way that they love and serve their spouse and their family, consistent in their conduct, in their speech. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, there's a few more qualifications added, which we'll be going over in the future. But this list expounds on the principle of faithfulness. And we learn this, that they are to be faithful to their spouse and that their children are to obey them. And I love this verse because what we learn in 1 Timothy chapter 3, which is built off of Acts chapter 6, is that the word of God says, if they cannot bring, and if you get offended by this, it's, it's blame it on God, not me. The word of God says, if they cannot bring order to their home, how could they ever bring order to the house of God? Meaning this, dads, the way that you serve your wife and serve your family can either qualify you to steward the things of God or disqualify you to steward the things of God. That is why when it comes to my personal calendar, 
as a pastor that I've always said, if the church ever puts me in a position to choose between my family and the ministry, the church is going to lose every time. Because if I'm not serving my family, then it disqualifies me from the ministry of the work. Now, again, we've got to balance this out because I believe that idol worship still happens sometimes, and it happens because the idols are our kids. And so there has to be balance in this. But the point is this, your marriage and the way that you bring up your children deeply matters. Amen? So quick recap, organization is biblical. And when done correctly, it enables movements of the Holy Spirit, not disables movements of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 6, we see the structure. And let me hit the pause button because I, I feel like there might be this thought floating around the room as well. And I want to acknowledge this. Again, balance. Have you noticed that balance is a common pattern in Scripture? Balance, balance, balance. Do you understand balance? When it comes to balancing this out, we have to make sure that we don't become so organized that we schedule time for the Holy Spirit right out of our lives. We have to make sure that there's space for Him to move. But we're also not getting tempted to chase every wind and wave of doctrine because we're saying, you know what, no organization is necessary for the Holy Spirit. Scripture speaks another message, but let's make sure that we don't go on the other side of the pendulum too far. Amen? Acts 6, we see the structure of the church, organization being set in place. Deacons are a part of that foundational, fundamental organization, which brings us to this question. What is the role of a deacon in the church? Simply put, in light of Acts 6, to serve the body of Christ and assist the pastor in the work of effective ministry. To serve the body of Christ and to assist the pastor in the work of effective ministry. Notice that the, the, the disciples in this moment, again, who are kind of taking the, the job of pastoral ministry and here, they say, listen, we need help to, to, to serve these others in the church because, man, we've got to make sure that the word of God is being preached. Did you catch that? And so there's kind of this assisting role that comes into play. Throughout Scripture, pastor is referred to as overseer and explicitly referred to as overseer in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. A pastor's primary role is oversight, whereas a deacon's primary role is service. And does that mean that a, a, a deacon doesn't have oversight roles? No. Does it mean that a pastor doesn't have serving roles? No. But it means that at the end of the day, the primary objectives are a little bit different. We will most, again, we will dive deeper into these specific roles in the upcoming weeks, but in a nutshell, I want to walk through the structure of Acts 6, which is validated throughout the New Testament model of church leadership. The disciples in this passage are very much so, again, acting as pastors since they are overseers in this moment, and a pastor's, the word pastor and overseer are used interchangeably. Deacons are elected, and they serve and support the church as well as the ministry on behalf of the disciples, and the congregation sees this model of leadership and sees the fruit coming from it, and it says that the congregation is blessed by this that they are in agreement with this. So we could summarize Acts chapter 6 like this. A healthy church is pastoral-led, board-supported, and congregation-approved. Again, a healthy church is pastoral-led, board-supported, and congregation-approved. 
That means that the way in which the pastor is leading, the congregation sees it and says, I approve of this. And the way that the board of deacons are carrying out the responsibilities of the ministry and serving the church, that the congregation sees the deacons and says, I approve of that too. And I want to acknowledge an elephant in the room, or at least maybe it's an elephant to those who who grew up in a church context. How many of you have ever heard or experienced this model, but the abuse of it in a church falling apart by show of hands? For some, you hear that a church is pastoral-led, and because of past church splits, because of a pastor who was more of a dictator than a pastor, your immediate response is, no, that's why we have a board, to keep the pastor in line. And for some, you hear that the board of deacons is going to be instituted, and out of past church hurt, that you've experienced, you hear that the board of deacons is going to be instituted and you say, great, people are going to try and control every part of the ministry. And what these responses reveal and have in common is that they are both not birthed out of Acts chapter 6, but they are both birthed out of church hurt. And I pray that if that's your experience, that the work of the Holy Spirit begins a healing work in your life because it can happen. You know that he still heals. The role of a board is to not control the pastor. Can somebody say amen? That's unhealthy. And that's a part of why I, I, don't, find, I don't find jokes about board members, deacons, controlling the pastor. I don't find them funny. Because it's a team effort. It's a team mentality. And and those guys that maybe a, a person is making a joke about controlling me, it, those are my friends. And it's just like I don't find jokes where pastors talk about, rather than it being a board of deacons, a board of demons. I don't really find that funny either. Because those are godly men. And they're working for the sake of the congregation. Churches have split and church hurts have happened because there's misunderstandings with these roles. If you're one of our members or you plan on being a member, or even if you're here for the first time today and you're like, how, how should church governance work in a way that enables ministry and not disables ministry? Well, well, this is it, friend. And something that we have to understand, back to what I was going to say, if if you plan on becoming a, a member and voting these different things, we've got to understand what a healthy role looks like. Amen? And a healthy role, again, is a church is pastoral-led. If you don't trust your pastor to lead, then that person should not be your pastor. If you're afraid of abuses from that pastor, then that shouldn't be your pastor. If you are afraid of a board of deacons and you're afraid of those members being too controlling and overstepping, then they shouldn't be your board of deacons. The way that it should work is a church is led by a healthy leadership model from the pastor. 
a board of deacons who is happy to serve the congregation and assist the pastor and loves Jesus. And lastly, the fruit of these decisions should always be that a majority of the church, because there's always going to be some, I don't approve. <laughs> well, why don't you approve? Because it's my decision and free will to not approve. But that a majority of the church says, we see this model. We're experiencing leadership in a pastor in a board of deacons that we can trust. And we see the fruit and we approve of this and we love this. That's how this model looks. As we close and as the worship team makes their way forward this morning, the result of a healthy church organization should always be growth. The result of a healthy church organization is and should always be growth. Acts chapter 6 verse 7, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests, that's those who were religious, not relational driven with Jesus, became obedient to the faith. A healthy church in healthy leadership should breed growth, spiritually and numerically. That's why we believe in church organization, to empower the church and empower leaders, because the Great Commission to reach the world cannot be accomplished by us separately, but calls for us to come together collectively. Amen, church? You can't reach the world all on your own. You're going to need a team, and so it is for the church. There are too many giftings represented here in each of you to neglect the reality that you and I are better together. Amen? Moving in unity, letting our giftings complement each other. It's amazing that some of you have been brought to this church for such a time as this, not because of the exclusive gift that you have, but because God knows that the giftings that he gave you will perfectly complement other giftings that he's brought here. Why? So that more people can be reached for Jesus. We organize to become more effective as a church. We organize because it's biblical and we recognize that the church is called for such a time as this to do the work of Jesus. All for the sake of reaching the lost and meeting the needs of others. As we move forward, may we always focus on reaching others for Jesus above everything else. That's what this organization was all about. Saying we not only need to serve these, but you see the disciples' heart, and they're like, the, the, the word of God has got to get out of this place. Church, did you know that in 2023 that God is still saving and redeeming that which was lost and broken? God's up to something. I'm telling you, I feel it in my spirit that God is up to something in these last days. He's just moving in too many evident ways. My goodness, I was so excited that this past Wednesday night we had a baptism service. And I love baptism services at C3. I love it. Because you get to hear stories, testimonies, where you might be sitting next to someone 
here on a Sunday morning and you just see them Sunday after Sunday, hey, how you doing? You sit down through the service, hear the word of God, do some worship and go home. But what you didn't see is that God was working in that person's life in rebuilding and reestablishing a relationship with them in such a personal, intimate way that it would forever change the trajectory of their life. And rather than seeing all these fireworks going off, you probably just saw someone who was doing this. Maybe they were one of those crazy Christians and they went during worship. But that's all you saw and little did you know as we heard Wednesday night that they were coming from a past of church hurt, of rejection in their life. And God brought them here and they experienced your love as a congregation and said, I've never felt like I belonged in a place like this. God's moving. We heard testimonies Wednesday night. My goodness, Jacob Russo. This young man who is more articulate than I am. Reading off a letter. Does anybody know how old Jacob is? 10? Like I was saying, he's 10. 10 years old and he's reading this letter thanking the leadership here for pouring into his life. It says thank you to my leadership and Royal Rangers. And then he makes this statement. And I challenge the church to hold me accountable. Church to raise kids it doesn't take a village it takes a church. We need each other. God's moving in incredible ways. I would challenge you. If you haven't become a member yet here at church, let me tell you, tell you about our gold member status, which will give you all the benefits to <laughs> recliner chairs on Sunday mornings and waiters and waitresses who bring your communion to you. Isn't that demonic? <laughs> We don't look at membership like a gold card, platinum, whatever it may be. We look at membership as you are a hand or a foot. You are a member, a part of the body. And the reason why we practice membership here as a church is because it simply is a way for us to say, you know what? I'm committed to this church. Because as a congregation member, I see this work, and I not only approve, but I want to be a part of it. It's why a prerequisite for membership here is that you're serving in a ministry. Because we don't want members to ever get a membership status and say, I have arrived. We want to understand as a membership that if you're a member, it implies that you're serving, that you're using your giftings. Would you intentionally pray in the upcoming weeks before we host our next membership meeting, our membership class? Would you prayerfully consider membership? Prerequisite, again, is that you've, you're serving in a ministry and that you've attended Crossroads Community Church for upwards of eight months. And if you've met those requirements and you're 18 and older, then I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider. Because right now, God is organizing us. God is building us. And he doesn't do things at random. Church, I'm telling you, there's something on the horizon. And in the years to come, it'll make sense. 
but people are desperately seeking a Savior. And God is building up, organizing, and equipping His church for whatever lies ahead. And if God's got something ahead, I guarantee you it's great and it's awesome. Would you stand with me? And as a church congregation, as we continue to grow in maturity, for just a couple minutes, I'm going to turn it over to you. You're the members. Would you pray over each ministry that the Holy Spirit lays on your heart? As we move forward into towards the end of 2023, can you believe it? Just a couple more months and the snow will be here. And somebody said, get behind me, Satan. As we head into the future that God has for us, would you pray over our leaders, over our volunteers, over our future board of deacon members? Would you begin to pray as we continue to hire pastoral staff? Would you pray that God would leave the, lead, lead us uh, to the right people and lead them to us? I'm so excited. In the upcoming months, we're going to be partnering with a young Valley Forge student. She is outstanding. And she's going to be fulfilling her internship here as a church. I can't wait for you to meet her. Would you pray over her life, that her experience as an internship here would just bless her and prepare her for the work of ministry beyond her internship? Would you please pray over our kids' ministry? We're looking for more people who simply want to love kids and hold babies. We've got a lot of babies. It's amazing, I'm telling you. Thank God for a young, growing church. But we need some people where the only gift and talent that you have is that you can hold a baby. And no matter how loud they scream, you love them more. We need people who will help park cars and understand that you're not just parking cars. You're giving someone an impression of the love of Jesus before they ever hear a song or a sermon preached. Would you pray like that with me for a few moments? Would you do that as we expect great and mighty things to be done? So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you feel led to lift your hands, if you, what, however you feel led to pray, right where you are, would you begin to pray over God's church? Pray over the ministries and the ministry leaders. Pray over the lost. Pray over the people who don't know Jesus who are going to be filling these seats. Maybe even in the next service, in the upcoming months, in the upcoming years. Would you pray over the lost? Some of you, would you do this with me with every head bowed and every eye closed? Would some of you begin to pray over prodigal sons and daughters that will fill this place?
God's church and his church's people. His church is the people that fill this place. For a few moments, would you pray over the Holy Spirit conference in the upcoming weeks? That people would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and be empowered in a whole new way to complete the tasks at hand. Would you pray over those who are going to be discovering their gifts? The gift of prophecy, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Would you pray over future pastors? I believe that at this conference that there's going to be people who are even here today where the Lord calls you to full-time ministry. Would you begin to pray over that conference, that Holy Spirit conference? Would you pray over the kids that there would be children who receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Holy Spirit? There would be children who set the example to us just like teens have for me in the past on what it's like to live in complete abandonment for the Lord. just a few more moments. Just a little longer. We're almost finished up. Just keep praying. If you're not used to praying out loud, can I challenge you in this moment? Step out of your comfort zone. Grow in some boldness. Would you begin to speak it out loud, your prayers? close our time of prayer out, would you just look at me for one moment? If you're a journaler or you are one of God's chosen and you took notes today, I want to challenge you to write this date down because that's writing down a promise because here's what's going to happen. In the months and maybe even years to come, you're going to see God do incredible things that were prayed for today where you're sitting right now, I remember it like it was yesterday, just a few years ago, there was a prayer team on Wednesday nights that walked around this room and laid hands on every seat that it be filled. And boy, did God deliver. There were workers who prayed, there were prayer ministry workers who prayed over our kids' ministry that it be filled. If that's you, you can stop that now. He's delivered. But I'm telling you, in the days to come, you're going to see God fulfill his promises. And I believe that it'll bless your soul and encourage you where you're saying, wow, this wasn't random. God did this. Write the date down and write what you prayed for down. And I'm telling you, it'll bless your heart when you see God deliver. Would you bow your heads once more with me? Dear Heavenly Father, it's your church. It's your church. It's not ours, it's yours. So whatever you want done, 
would you reveal your will to us? Whatever you want to have happen, would you reveal it to us? Lord, may we always resist pride. May we always resist the temptation to take ownership over our seats, over our positions here, because they're not ours. Even the areas of ministry that many of us serve in, they're not our ministries. They're not our positions to hold. We are called to hold them up high with open hands because it's about more people coming to know you. It's about discipleship and those who are immature in Christ being raised up to maturity. Lord, it's about your will be done. It's about reaching the earth and around us, Lord Jesus, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and bringing the gospel into the world. It's where you've called us to. So, Lord, may we never forget the simple truth that it's yours. Father, we just pray over every ministry right now, every leader, every participant, every child in the kids' ministry. May your anointing flow freely. Would you continue to build your church, O oh Lord? Because we recognize here today that that's your will, and you said hell's not even going to stop me. So, Father, may we walk in that victory and understanding, but also always resisting the temptation to become prideful. May we walk in obedience in accordance to your will. And we so look forward to what you have in store in the future of C3 because we recognize here today that you're just getting started. Have your way in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, and if you believe God's going to do it, would you just give him the loudest shout of praise of this service? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For those of you who are members, be on the lookout in the upcoming weeks to receive two things, a financial report as well as our constitution and bylaws, which will be given to you before the meeting on October 29th. In the meantime, may we continue to further kingdom work here on this earth. Amen? Amen. God bless you as you go with the Lord. He's going with you. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.